Welcome to Sheep Out of Water, everyone. This is Jason, and I'm joined by my good friend, Chris. We hope you're doing great. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jason? Great. Three greats all around. Boom. <laughs> Goes the dynamite. Hey, before we get into the topic tonight, I have to brag about the big things happening on Sheep Out of Water. First and foremost, Chris is multi-talented, does many, many things well. Good husband, good father, great employee. I, I called his boss today just to verify that. <laughs> no, but uh, we have officially uh, completed our, our Sheep Out of Water website. When I say we, I mean Chris. And so I want to invite everyone listening Go to www.sheepoutofwater.com. Check a look, take a look at the website. Um, there's a couple different ways you can get in contact with us there. And all of our episodes are up there. And the second big thing kind of tied to the website is you can't make any excuses to find us. We're everywhere. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google. We're on, we're on everything. So Chris has set that up too. So you can go to, go to our website and pick whatever format you want and listen to our beautiful voices. <laughs> well, at least you're a beautiful voice. I'm not so sure about mine. <laughs> beautiful, I mean, you know, in the eye of the beholder or ear of the beholder, maybe. But they're beautiful in God's God's ears. That's what's most important. But yeah, just thanks for doing that. It's it's a pretty cool website. We're pretty excited about it. Uh, I feel like we're really, really official. Sheepoutofwater.com. It it was funny. I think last week. I was talking to Emily in the kitchen and she goes, dad, I listened to the podcast yesterday. I said, Oh, great. Great. What'd you think? She goes, dad, it sounds like a real podcast, dad. <laughs> well, honey, it is. Well, We're it just is lacking all the fancy equipment in the studio <laughs> I, with neon lights it. behind us. But otherwise I looked at her and I said, well, uh, what did, okay. Thank you. She's like, no, but it like, sounds like it's real. It's, you know, the quality's good. And, and I was, it was a really good episode. I said, thanks, Emily. So when you get your 19 year old daughter says something like that, you just take it and you go with it. Wait, is that the one that we were talking about her though? And how great she is. Uh, you know what it was? Uh, let's see what she thinks about this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But that's not the first time I've heard that. You know, I, I it's almost like folks that know us are, are going to listen to it to kind of think it's a big train wreck and they're pleasantly surprised that it actually sounds real. So yeah. Hey, and the, the fact that we've got our, our daughter's boyfriend's listening and that they actually are looking at, you know, different episodes and, and saying stuff. And one of them, even when we got in the car the other day, is like, all right, turn on your episode, turn on your podcast. I want to hear it. <laughs> I want to put you to sleep, but okay. Now that you asked. <laughs> Since you asked. But anyway, all kinds of ways you can get a hold of us. So we're excited about that. I hope to see you at the website or, or connect with you through the website. So pretty cool stuff. Thanks again, Chris. All right. This week, Sunday reading series, Chris uh, texts me and says, theme, support, and spiritual battle. And I said, I, I see you, brother. I see you. So what made you think that? What led you to that theme of, of the readings this week? Well, the first one is, is the very first reading, Exodus 17, 8 through 13. We've got uh, that famous passage of Moses with his hands up high, raised up in prayer on the mountain. And every time that he let his hands rest, Amalek had the better of the fight. Moses's hands, however, grew tired. 
so they put a rock in place for him to sit on. Meanwhile, Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And Joshua mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And that image always sticks in my mind, not just so much because it's a it's a kind of a prefiguration of what will happen with Christ with his arms raised up on the cross, but just the sheer uh, power of prayer and the fact that this really wasn't, you know, it, once or twice, maybe Moses puts his hands down, all of a sudden Amalek is getting the better of the fight, coincidence, but the fact that it kept happening, but then when Moses' hands were up, they were always winning and eventually won the day. Uh, so that was the, the first part of it. But the second part is Moses couldn't do it by himself. His hands grew tired. So he had to have helpers, brothers there with him to hold up his hands in, in prayer. And that really got me thinking about the second reading with Timothy and Paul and how Paul is trying to encourage Timothy, who's active in ministry because he's not in prison. Paul is in prison, yet he's trying to support and hold up. Timothy. So that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah. And then when you sent that to me, I got focused on the Psalm or in Psalm 121 and the verse that says, the Lord will guard you from all evil. He will guard your life. The Lord will guard your coming and your going both now and forever. I was like, there's that support piece. Absolutely. But I thought too, um, it might be interesting. We we talk about the term spiritual battle. I thought it might be interesting. To, that means something to you and I and, and, and maybe others, but it may not mean that might be kind of a confusing term to others when people talk about it. So, I, you know, I thought maybe we take a minute or two just to, you know, what does that even mean? Spiritual battle. You, you, you want to talk about support and spiritual battle. What is this spiritual battle you speak of, Chris? <laughs> Did you ever see Star Wars? There's the dark side and the light side. Once or twice. Yes, I have. There you go. That's a very simple and obviously secular way of putting it. But there's many different stories in many different cultures and even different religions of this fight between good and evil, between right and wrong. And that happens within each one of us. And so that battle that's taking place happens within us, but then manifests itself oftentimes outside. So whether you see it in the culture, whether you see it between countries or in the world wars, for example, between entire hemispheres, uh, you're, you're seeing manifested what's happening at the level of the soul, which is a fight for our very souls, our minds, our bodies between God and the devil. Yeah, I've been actually kind of just not necessarily researching this topic, but I've been reading and listening to different things on it, maybe in preference or or in preparation for this unbeknownst to me. But the way I understand spiritual battle, there's two components to me. It's it's what you mentioned is that internal struggle that we have that is starting internally. And and I, I equate that to our, our the fall in, in our tendency towards sin because of the fall. So we have a role in this that we have to have a responsibility in the fight, so to speak, of what's going on in our own soul. But there's this other piece that you just referenced in 
the the supernatural things that are happening around us that we don't necessarily see with our eyes, but this this supernatural fight that's happening between um, the good, i.e., angels and, and God and 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 us, some in some cases, uh, and fallen angels um, who are demons and and that are are trying to influence us. And this fight is happening, whether we we admit it or not, or can see it or not. It's ongoing. Um, and there's all these components to it, but it, it sounds scary and it probably should be to some extent, um, but it's real and we have to accept that, that that it's happening and we're a part of this, uh, this supernatural battle that's going on. And you know, yes, we can start internally, but we also have to kind of be aware of what's happening maybe externally or in, in, a, in a different way than maybe we see in front of us. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of think of it in that way. Um, which made me think about, okay, angels and fallen angels and what, what does that even mean? And, and so kind of in this quote unquote research, I've, I've learned that, look, angels are given free will as well. It's just like we are. And we've talked about free will and what that means to us. But the way I understand it with angels is that they were created with immediate knowledge of everything they're 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 much that much more advanced than we are in terms of understanding and knowledge and wisdom and their choice happens almost instantaneously do they want they're given some sort of role to serve god and that may be a guardian angel for you a guardian angel for me or an angel assigned to something else and they actually choose and almost instantaneously if you will whether or not they're going to serve in this role and those that chose to do that do it to the best of their ability, whatever that means as a full, fully spiritual angel. And, but there are those that chose not to serve and for the same reasons, pride, all those kinds of things that we, we struggle with. And that's what we mean by a fallen angel. And those fallen angels are demons and, and they are the ones that are now they know they made the wrong choice and they're in torment because of it. And if we're being honest, when we're tormented, one of our first reactions is to take it out on others and, and pass that torment on. Right. That's what's happening. And it's done in, in probably more cases than not in subtle ways, um, not in front of your face like the movies you see, although that happens from time to time, but very, 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 very rarely. Um, but it's more subtle. Uh, I think of the book Screwtape Letters mm-hmm. uh, by C.S. Lewis. If you've not read that book, to me, that that encompasses kind of the, cunningness of demons and just the 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 real manipulative ways they're trying to to manipulate us unbeknownst to ourselves and it's it's a really fascinating read it's very entertaining so by all means read that but that's that's my understanding of of spiritual battle and spiritual warfare um from what i've been reading lately and diving into yeah and for some of our listeners too i think even just to define what is an angel is important Mm -hmm. An angel is a messenger. That's what the word means. So angel is a messenger from God or for the fallen angels from the devil. And so when we think about the devil in the garden tempting Eve, who he also then tempted Adam through Eve, what's he doing? He's bringing a message. God knows this. He, he knows that if you eat from the tree of good knowledge that you will be like him. And so he's bringing this message. It's only half true. And obviously she falls for it. Uh, and, and that's the case with all of us with temptation. The demons are 
in some sense, allowed to be messengers, bringing us these false messages, or in their case, mostly, you see that in screw tape letters, they're half-truths or partial truths, because it's just enough to get us to believe or to think, well, that could be true, or yeah, it won't, that won't hurt me too much, or that won't hurt somebody else too much, or I'm good, I can do that. And then you have the messengers of God who are bringing us God's message of love, forgiveness, uh, challenge, uh, at times condemnation, call to repentance. And we see a bit of that too in the second reading, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 4, 2, where he says, you know, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. That's a big charge. Those are some big hitters there who will judge the living and the dead, lest you forget. <laughs> and by his appearing and his kingly power, proclaim the word. So be a messenger. Be persistent, whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Convince, reprimand, encourage through all patience and teaching. He talks about earlier on in that reading how scripture, which in its own way is a, a message from God's his word is useful for teaching for refutation for correction and for training in righteousness and I I got to thinking about that battle that takes place and just like you know somebody who's in uh, in the military there's times where the superiors are going to be encouraging them to to continue to do what they're doing and do it even better, where they're going to compliment them on a job well done. But then there's also times where they're right up in their face, drill instructor style, saying what they need to say in order to pull out the good and drive out the bad. And that's what I think scripture does. And that's what when priests are doing their jobs, they should be doing. They're being messengers of God in human form who are calling people to a better life. Yeah, I think you're touching on something that's really important. And what I thought about from the priest perspective, and it's true of all of us to an extent, if we're trying to help somebody, we're doing it for their own good. And most, most importantly, we should be helping them find God's will in delivering those messages. But how many times do we try to maybe manipulate the situation or convince somebody of something that we believe or that we want or, or whatever in, in, you know, the, the role of the priest in that, uh, or the pastor, if you will, too, like how many times are they faced with these moments where they really have to deliver that tough message and they don't have the courage to do it. Um, they certainly almost always have the wisdom because of the training that, that they go through and the reading and, and all those things maybe not the courage to say what needs to be said in a given moment or time. Um, I, I'd imagine that's probably a daily challenge for a priest or a pastor. Yeah. Just as it's a daily challenge for us, it's just that they've got more opportunities probably based on the different circumstances they're facing than we do as lay people. Not that we don't obviously, but the, uh, I'm just going to say it like there are plenty of times where I myself felt like a complete chicken mm. and I'll leave out the other word <laughs> <laughs> because I just didn't channel enough of God's grace to be able to call people out on the carpet because 
it was inconvenient as you know as the second reading says it mm. could have hurt somebody's feelings i was afraid that maybe they would leave the church if i did say something or said it the wrong way or if i was too harsh and you know there there's a time to be charitable in a in a tough sort of way we call it tough love and then there's time to be charitable in a in a peaceful and in a warm and inviting way both of them are examples of charity we should always be charitable was that I'm getting stuck is because of this uh, prayer that they prayed during the general intercessions at mass. And it was a week ago or two weeks ago when we had the scripture about, you know, the word of God is not chained. And there said, you know, that the word of God continue not to remain chained, you know, that it continue to remain unchained and da, da, da. And I looked over to Jen and I said, but the word of God is continually being chained by priests. They're not preaching. The bishops are not preaching. The deacons are not preaching. Preach on the hard issues, preach on the issues that we are facing as lay people. The media is not afraid to preach on it. All of the, one political party in particular is not afraid to preach on it. So for crying out loud, would you preach on it? Like we are facing some very difficult things in our time. And you and I know as, as husbands and dads, it's been a hundred years since we've faced the effects of a post-pandemic world. Not since the, they were coming out of the Spanish influenza. But they didn't have social media. They didn't have pornography everywhere. They didn't have fentanyl coming across borders. They didn't have all sorts of global issues in the same way that we were experiencing them. So it could be one of the toughest times in all of human history. And you're going to sit there and talk to me about this or that without really preaching the word of God. It is chained because you're the ones chaining it. So stop chaining it. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> well... I asked and you answered. So there you go, everybody. Stop no, listening I mean, to the devil. Well, you're right. And, and I think it's, it's, again, it's true of all of us. This is the time. And again, it, it's not to go and beat people over the head and make them feel bad. It's to speak truth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means you have to do it in a direct way. Always still respectful, but still direct. And then, like you said, sometimes, hey, look, I still have to speak truth to this person, but I know them well enough that if I come at them very harshly, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of soften tone a little bit. I'll, I'll do whatever, but I won't change the message, but you know, that's where getting to know people helps you understand how to deliver the actual message, but you cannot be afraid to speak truth. Well, how do you get to that point? You got to study, you got to read scripture, you got to figure these things out and it takes time. So, you know, we're, we're kind of jumping into the next question. What do we do in spiritual? How do we prepare for spiritual battle? Well, we're, 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 we're in it right now. Speak truth. Well, how do you speak truth? You need to learn it. We, we've got to read scripture. We've got to read about the saints. We've got to read theology if you need be. Whatever it is to, to understand enough to be able to say something when it's time to say something. And that takes time. And even then, sometimes you kind of mess it up and that's okay. You know, yeah, but sure. But that's a big important piece of spiritual battle is to take the time. Like you, you mentioned that you know the the comparison to to military battle. Well, our military isn't uh, successful in, in war and in battle if they don't practice, right? Right. If they don't drill in in as close right. to real combat situations as possible, they're not going to sit there and get to become a very good military if they're just listening about lectures on how to fight. They have to practice, and it's the same thing with us. And what that means is a lot of prayer, a lot of scripture reading, in in 
and just do a little bit at a time. And all of a sudden you're, you're going to start feeding something in your soul and you're going to find yourself spending more time doing those things. So um, that's definitely a big one. I, I wrote this down. So kind of answering the question, what do we do? How do we prepare for spiritual battle? Here's the first piece is, Hey, do you remember when we were kids and in, in math, you would, you would have the answer to the odd questions in the back of the book and math. Did you ever have that? In yeah. School? yeah. 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 Right. Well, the cool thing is we have all the answers in the back of the book. God's told us the answer. We win. The good, the good guys win this battle. We know that. We've been actually told that. So that we should have some some peace knowing that we win. And we should maybe also have some motivation to try to, to make sure that we're on the, the right side of this and understanding what that means. But that's the first step is understanding that, knowing that we win here. Um, yeah, and, and I think just to, before you keep going on that, um, you know, I've heard that before, and, and I know that's uh, uh, pretty good preaching, uh, pretty popular preaching uh, point in in Protestant churches as well. But don't be tempted to complacency just because you're right. winning. Because in complacency, you might be on the losing side. You know, I think about World War II. Well, you come D Day, you know, okay, well, we're going to win. This is a turning point of World War II. The good guys are going to win. Well, if they stop fighting, guess what? They almost found out at the Battle of the Bulge that Hitler came right back again and really drove hard and tried to break that front. And it really was the last big push. But if they hadn't fought and continued to fight, they would have been on the losing side. And so it's important not to get crossed over, not to be a Benedict Arnold and become a traitor to your right. faith, but also even though you know you're winning, to keep going. Yeah, it's almost it's a strange thing if you if you're too complacent, then all of a sudden you find yourself on the other side, mm -hmm. right? Which is the strange thing maybe about this battle is that we have to to pitch in and do our part, or in 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 a strange way we find ourselves on the other side. You know, the second thing I wrote down we'd already kind of talked about, but and it's very prevalent in the readings, which is you know leaning on others for support. You know, right. where you've got right. Moses having help from. Um, from Aaron and uh, holding his arms. Like I'm, I'm envisioning this battle and, and they're, I mean, how, how boring and monotonous and, and maybe even painful too, to have to sit there and hold somebody's arms all up all day, all day long. Right. You ever yeah. do that in football? Like those drills that you would do? Yeah. Or the, or the wall squats where, it, you know, it's basically the, the last guy in the squat wins. And so you get this whole, the whole team in a, in a circle and you're doing an air squat, and you're holding it there. Yeah. Uh, that would, that would probably last. I don't know. I mean, we were in high school, so in a lot better shape than I am now, but I don't know, maybe a minute for the, for the, for the whole team to drop finally. I you know, but, but this was all day long. They're holding this position Yeah, and he needed that kind of help in order to, to fight the spiritual battle. So I think that's important. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's, a, oh, go ahead. So, there you go ahead. there's a lot of lessons in that, that first reading, you know, going back again to what we were talking about, with preparation, you know, for this, uh, whether it be preparation of confrontation or encouragement, um, to do so in prayer. But even before Moses began to pray, he had to get to that place of prayer. And he, that meant he had to climb the mountain physically. He had to walk with those nasty, dirty sandals. If he even had sandals up this mountain with his boys, the three of them going up there, 
and finally getting up to the top of that mountain and then really focusing in on what he was about to do in prayer. So there's that work of getting even to the place where you're going to pray for yourself, for others in that spiritual battle, but then also being able to look at, let's say you're a soldier down there on the battlefield and all of a sudden you realize that you're losing. Well, why are we losing? You look up at Moses, well, his hands fell down. <laughs> it's the same thing I'm feeling now about our priests and our bishops. Get your damn hands up because we are losing down here. And if we're the ones called to fight this battle, sword in hand, I can utter little prayers like, thank you, God, or please, God, or protect me, God, or whatever, as I'm fighting. And we should. It's what Jose Maria Escriva, St. Jose Maria Escriva used to say. Lay people have got to do the short prayers in the field. And the priests have to be doing the longer prayers in the church. So a, get your hands up and pray. It's a great analogy because I think about the priests and the bishops and the leaders and that are they are they're out there and you see and thankfully thankfully a lot of ways we're seeing that because of social media and, and the internet and all that kind of thing too but they're out there and they're saying some amazing things and when they do um boy the power it has and and just how it uplifts people when when people speak truth yeah i mean it's it, it's a great if analogy uh yeah. when they do speak to these issues that are and even you know even sometimes the most powerful homilies and in, in Messages are the ones where a question is asked, not even one where it's in your face, pointing a finger and saying, this is the truth and, and kind of calling people out. Sometimes there's a place for those, mm-hmm. but, but the ones where it's just where the, the, the preaching is done and just asking a question and it's done in a way that's, it, it's a challenging question and, but allowing, it's almost allowing people to think it through on their own and providing a framework to get them to you can't, it's one of those things you can't ignore it. You can't turn away from it because they've provoked you mentally in a way that you have to think about this question they're proposing to you. Yeah. Um, those are sometimes really powerful ways to, to speak truth in this way, I think too. So there's different styles to do this, I think for sure. But the worst thing is to not talk about these things. Not do it at all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, leaning on others for support. I'm, I'm, we're fired up now. I'm going to, I got my sleeves rolled up. I've, <laughs> I've about had it with this whole you pray to Mary thing. I kind of read that every time, every so often, right? Like, look, it's very clear that we need other people to help us out. Why people have a problem when we ask the mother of God to pray for us and intercede for us, that as as a way to help us in this spiritual battle, why people have issues with that, it's, I'm done with it. Like, you don't have to, but don't tell me that I'm worshiping her over Jesus when everything she does, when I pray, every pray, prayer I pray, when I invoke her to intercede for me, it's all about centering me on her son, always. Wedding of Cana, that's all I have to say. What does she do? Do as he says. That's it. That's all you need to know about Mary. Yep. Do as he says. And guess what? There's a little clue there, gang. He does. He 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 escalates his ministry or, or he... He, he takes a step forward, maybe a little bit faster than what he was originally planning because his mom asked him to. Right. Just, 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 you know, I'm not exactly sure hundred percent why, but it's very clear he wasn't planning on doing that. And if and you think you're above Mary, let's remember she's Jesus's mother. I don't yeah. care how holy your mother is. She's not yeah. Jesus's mother. Yeah. So pay attention to that. Another thing is Jesus didn't come out of the womb 
knowing prayer and scripture. He wasn't a little three-year-old sweet baby Jesus saying all sorts of scripture. Who taught him that scripture? Who passed on the oral tradition of that scripture? St. Joseph, certainly, and Mary, day in, day out, as she was raising him from his infancy. Yeah. And we know that at least by the time he's 13 and he's in the temple, he's there answering questions and asking questions with those in the temple. And he's about, you know, in his father's house about his father's things. But it wasn't just like that when he came out of the womb. Right. This woman taught him how to pray right. in human form. He why, who is God. Why wouldn't we want Mary next to us in the foxhole? Why wouldn't we right? want Padre Pio and Maximilian Kolbe and St. Faustina next to us in that foxhole. That's what we're right. doing. You said, oh, will you build statues for her? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen a statue of George Washington? Look down at your dollar bill. You know, like, <laughs> we, we don't have Mary on any money. Uh, there's places all over where we give glory and honor to our secular leaders, our forefathers. Yeah. And shoot, look around you. Even not so good of people we're building statues to these days. Right. Why wouldn't I put a, build a statue? Why wouldn't I create an image of the mother of Jesus Christ right. to bring forth all of those good prayers, feelings, thoughts, emotions that bring me closer to him? Because right. that's what Mary did. She brought people closer. To and if, if you take an honest intellectual <laughs> look at scripture at books of, about these saints and about me, all these people are, le- it's, it's always one message. It's Jesus, right? right? So yeah, let's just stop that argument gang. Like you don't have to, you can choose not to, but, but let's just stop saying that that's somehow wrong. Cause it's not, it, it really isn't. And there's so much fruit that's born from that. So um, about with the intercession of the saints, we're talking about spiritual mm-hmm. prayer and finding help and prayer and support. I can go to Jason. I can say, Hey, Jason, can you pray for me? I've got my job interview today, or I've got this interview or doing that particular hard thing, or I've got to talk to my kids about something I don't want to. And so can you pray for me? Of course we do that. We do that. All of us do that for each other. So why not have these saints, which the word is holy ones, that's the translation, holy ones, who have proven to lead a good and holy life and die good and holy deaths, why not ask them? I mean, do you want to go to heaven? Do you think you would go to heaven? Yes, you do. Most people do. So if you're in heaven, why wouldn't you want to go and ask Jesus to to pray on behalf of this particular person that's a loved one? So get over that too, this whole, (laughs) oh, they pray to saints. You're damn right I pray to saints. I pray to them to pray with me and for me before Jesus Christ, who's the only one that can answer those prayers. Of course, the Holy Spirit and our Heavenly Father. It's an important distinction. I understand why people get confused about it, but it's really simple to understand. You know, when we say praying to a saint, it's all about asking them to pray with us, for us, to Jesus. And, and yeah. sometimes I pray to the Lord directly too, and, and sometimes I don't. But, I, you know, it's just the way it goes. A couple more minutes here before we get into closing prayer. I wanted to kind of, I had three, and we've touched on this a little bit. I had three things on the whole, what are we to do in this uh, spiritual battle? And we, we talked about, you know, first and foremost is preparing, right? By reading scripture and reading about people, holy people in our lives and and the second part is leaning on others, and and I hope you think you're pretty clear what we think about that. <laughs> the the last one we talked about was being persistent, and I love that 
this story of the widow, the parable in, in the gospel yeah. has been on my mind all week. I've referenced it a few times at work, actually, in this idea of persistence. I think we lose the idea and understanding of how important being persistent is in our culture. When we don't get the answer we want right now, we quit. That's a very common trait in our culture. And that's not what Jesus is telling us in this parable. He's like, be persistent. Mm -hmm. You may need to pray more than once about this. You may need to, to try another solution to this problem. You may need to but you got to keep coming back to it, keep coming back to it. And it may take you six months. Like I'm proud as heck for my wife. She's starting a new job here in a week. And she prayed and prayed and prayed for a year, over a year to find a job that fulfills her to, to do God's mission and over a year. And, and it seemed like she was getting no, 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 no. But you know what? She kept praying. She stayed with it. And now she's got this position that she's super excited about. Yeah. Um, and, and we are too for, I mean, how, how motivating is that? That's, that's a perfect example of persistence, persistence in prayer and, and being okay and trying to be okay with, look, this isn't happening on my timeline, but I'm going to keep at this. I know it's the right thing to do. And, you know, patience pays off and persistence pays off. Yeah. You know, the church even has a structure for that. We have novenas where it's nine days straight of prayer, the same prayer. Mm -hmm. And then you can do multiple novenas. You've got 40 days for life. How many, about 40 years of 40 days for life, twice, twice a year. And finally, Roe v. Wade is turned over, at least on the federal level, and how it applies. Not getting into that. <laughs> but yeah, that the importance of, of having the commitment to pray consistently and that if an unjust judge is going to give in, as we see in the scriptures, and how much more a loving father will answer us if what we are praying for is what is meant for our good and his will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we could probably go on and on. I think we've probably touched on a number of things that may lead into individual episodes down the road, but we want to be uh, respectful for your to your time, our time, all that good stuff. So I think it's probably time to wrap up in prayer. Before I do it, again, check out the website. Uh, connect with us that way. We're really excited about it, and just appreciate your time tonight, Chris. This was, this was uh, we're a little fire tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go have some prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, we come to you and, and pray that you help all of us in spiritual battle. We invoke all the saints, all of the holy people, everyone to pray for us, help us to prepare by reading scripture, help us to be motivated to do that, help us to read about holy people, help us prepare for battle, help us lean on others, let go of our pride to lean on our friends, lean on lean on the saints, lean on our, our pastors and our, our priests and our bishops. And Lord, please grant us the ability to be persistent and be patient. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask all of our listeners to pray for me, to pray for my family, to pray for my friends like Jason, that their prayers offered on my behalf, on our behalf, may be prayers that strengthen us, protect us, and prayers that inspire us to 
draw more deeply in prayer into relationship with you. I recognize you, I acknowledge you, I love you as my Lord, my Savior, my friend, my brother. Lord Jesus, take the efforts that we put forth each week as we climb our own mountains to prayer and to the work of spiritual battle and fill them with victory. Fill those efforts that we put forth with victory because we know that as soon as we win this battle, there'll be another battle and another and that we'll continue to battle until we draw our very last breath. So as we entrust ourselves to you, knowing that you are the one for whom we strive, that you will enable us to continue day by day, breath by breath, to be your faithful disciples. And we pray this through the intercession of your Holy Mother and ours, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless everyone. God bless you.